please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning to you. I'm uh, Jerry Varnado, and I'm the pastor at Raised United Methodist Church uh, in Bishop, Georgia, and a good friend of Rick Bonfilms and been uh, participating in his ministry for 30 years or so. And uh, he'd asked me to do a, a, a four-sermon uh, four uh, series out of the book of Acts, his favorite sermons from the book of Acts. So I'm always glad to have extra time to preach. It's, uh, it's my joy and, and my pleasure. So appreciate you all being with us this morning. Uh, today uh, I want to... Uh, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, a very important thing to me, which is the last words... Uh, that Jesus spoke, uh, and uh, I'll be I'll be uh, uh, preaching out of uh, out of Acts chapter one, and uh, I'm sorry I've got my machine over here working. I can't get there. We go. I kept coming up with the wrong wrong sermon. Uh, it'll be Acts chapter one, and I'm going to read the first eleven verses. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day He was taken up to heaven, after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles He had chosen. After His suffering, He presented Himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that He was alive. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while He was eating with them, He gave them this command. Do not uh, leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now after this, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Lord, we ask you now to give us all grace that I can speak and we can all hear what you'd say today to your people. Amen. <clears throat> the year was 1985-86 school year, and I, I was a second-year seminary student. <clears throat> and this was uh, taking my first preaching class. and We had to prepare a sermon and preach it, uh, for the class, uh, preach it in the class for critique by our peers. Now, I don't remember this fellow's name, but the first student to give his sermon had this particular text. He tearfully told us about his father dying of brain cancer when he was just a young fellow. And his dad called the family together and he told them he had only a few days or weeks to live. And, uh, and he had some things that he wanted to say to them. And then he went around to each one of them and said a special thing to them and how much he loved them and cared about them. And then he looked up with tears in his eyes he says, I've not forgotten a single word my dad said that day. You know, when it's clear that our time is up, 
conversation takes on a different meaning, doesn't it? Words become precious to us. We speak about things of extreme importance. And, and those who love us listen and hang on every word that we say. So what we're talking about uh, this morning is Jesus' last words. These are the last words He spoke while He was still on this planet. I think those disciples listened intently to what He said. Now, He had been teaching them for three years, equipping them to carry on the kingdom ministry uh, at His departure. And uh, now at that departure time had arrived. And He's reminding them of things He taught them earlier and things that were critical to their accomplishing the mission that which He was commissioning them to. I think they hung on every word. I think they remembered every word He said. Anyone who aspires to be a disciple of Jesus should do the same thing. These words are not just for them. They're for all of us. Now, there are four key words uh, in, that, I help, that helps me remember the essence of what Jesus said in the essence of His teaching uh, in this text. And, and I think that this is itself the essence of Pentecost, what Pentecost was about and how we ought to understand it. The first word is to wait. Wait. He said, don't leave this, the city. Wait until you receive the promise of the Father. Now, these men had been baptized. They had left their home, their business, their family to be with Jesus. For three years, they listened to His teaching. Uh, they had seen and participated in many, many miracles, even seen the dead raised. They had seen Jesus die and then visited and ate with Him after His resurrection. They were born again believers. They had been told to make disciples of all nations. That they were sent into the world just as Jesus had been sent to the world. But still, Jesus said to them, Don't go yet. Wait. There's something more. There's something more than believing. There's something more than water baptism. There's something more than new birth. There's something more you need before you set out on your mission. Wait for it. The second word, he said, is receive. We are to wait for the gift the Father promised. Now, for a gift to do us any good, we have to receive it. We have to put it to the use that it was intended. And you know, receiving is hard for some, particularly in our culture. Oh, we can receive gifts at Christmas and birthdays and holidays and special occasions because, you know, that's expected. Everybody does that. We're culturally acclimated to it. But receiving out of a sense of need uh, is a different matter. And I remember when I first started teaching, this friend of mine, a lady that lived here in Athens and had been friends for years, and she'd come out to the church where I started preaching. And uh, <coughs> she, she knew me when I was a lawyer, and she knew I wasn't making as much money as I did when I practiced law. <laughs> so I was in a little small church, and every Sunday she'd come, I'd hit the back, and she'd come shake hands with me, and she'd palm me a $20 bill. 
Cause it used to just fly all over me because I really at that point I, I didn't I didn't need the money, uh, but it just to just fly all over me. And the Lord spoke to me one day and He said, "If you don't receive, she can't give." Now quit feeling bad about this. Take the money and enjoy it. You're giving her pleasure in her giving. See, we are raised to be confident in our abilities, to be self-assured and self-sufficient. And our pride uh, resists any intimation at all that we are needy. <clears throat> I think that's one reason Jesus taught so strongly on humility. Matthew 18.4, He said, Therefore, whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And in Mark 10.15, He said, I, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it. You see, a child trusts and expects the parents to provide its needs. Now, as a child, <coughs> I never doubted one minute that there would be supper on the table when I got there. And I never offered to pay for it. And I never once felt unworthy or too proud to receive it. Now, the same was true with my clothes and my spending money and everything I had. I hear Jesus saying that this is exactly the same attitude that we should have toward our Heavenly Father. Wait, He said, and then receive what the Father's promised. The third word is power. Now Jesus tells them uh, the specific thing they need to receive is the power that comes with baptism in the Holy Spirit or when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Now Jesus said these words in John fourteen seventeen. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, He said, The world can't accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. For He lives with you and will be in you. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to this same group of disciples and we find these words in John twenty twenty two. Now listen carefully. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. But there's no mention of power. Not one word about power. Now to me, the unavoidable conclusion is that what Jesus is saying in Acts is something different than having the Holy Spirit in you, in us, to sanctify us, to make us holy. It's different than our salvation experience where the Holy Spirit came into our life. That power of God that comes to us in that sense is the power to make us holy. The power to mold us into the kind and character of people that God desires us to be. <coughs> now Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. Not in them, but upon them. And they are going to receive power. Now at this point, I should remind you of Luke eleven thirteen, where Jesus said, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Those who ask Him. You see, God, 
does not possess or force Himself upon us. That's the way the devil works. God comes only with our agreement and our cooperation. So it is fair to say that a prerequisite to receiving this power is that we submit ourselves to God. That, that we uh, receive then humbly as children whatever God desires to do in and through us by baptizing us with the Holy Spirit. Wait. Receive. Power. Now the last word is witness. And I'll address this a little bit more uh, in our uh, next sermon, uh, which will be a missions mindset. But today I will say this, the power enables us to be witness. That's what the power is for. Now, what is a witness? Well, a witness is one who gives testimony about something from their personal knowledge and experience. Now, I know that you like me. I, I, I sort of like the courtroom drama shows on TV. I, I, lo I love Matlock. I watch all the reruns. But now, if they put a witness on the stand, and the witness said, Well, John Smith told me that the defendant said, What's going to happen? You know, you've seen it enough. Objection, Your Honor. That's hearsay. Because he's given testimony about somebody else's experience. Well, a witness doesn't do that. A witness gives testimony about their own experience. Now, in Acts 4.20, the apostles responded to orders not to teach about Jesus anymore with these words. We cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. They were giving testimony about what they experienced. Again, in 1 John 1, 1, the Apostle writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at in our hands, and touched, this we, pro we proclaim to you concerning the Word of life. <coughs> Witnesses give account of their own experience. We don't have to be seminary graduates or Bible scholars to witness. But we must have a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's available to everyone. And as Jesus said in this text, you're going to need the power that comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be effective in your witness. In fact, if we look at Acts 1 and 2 carefully, we find that the evidence of baptism with the Holy Spirit is not speaking in other tongues or performing miracles although both of those may be evident. But the true evidence is, are we witnesses? Are we witnesses? Now, there are two ways that you can witness. First is by word. That means I actually speak the name of Jesus and share His life with my life. I actually converse with someone. Maybe a scripture or two that I've memorized. Romans ten seventeen is always a good one. That faith comes by hearing the message. And the message is heard through the Word of Christ. <coughs> but we also worship by deed. I witness to the world around me by living a life worthy of the Gospel. Now, the problem is that our, our walk must match our talk. Or our talk won't mean anything. 
Just as importantly, we have to name the name. Or others will give us credit for the good things they, we do. We'll say, now, isn't that, isn't that Jerry Barnes, though, a nice man? And he did this and he did that. I've got to make sure they understand that I'm not a nice man. Before Jesus, I was a rascal. And I need to know that any good thing I do is because of Jesus and only because of Jesus. People will give you credit for your good deeds if you don't witness by word as well. So it's not an either or. Don't tell me you witness by the way you live. You've got to do both. You witness by word and deed. It's not either or. It, somebody said, well, what's the most important? Worshiping in deed or worshiping in word? And the answer my evangelism professor gave me is this. It depends on which one you did last. Because it's like breathing out and breathing in. If the last thing you did is breathe out, you need to breathe in next. And word and deed is the same. You have to breathe in and out to stay alive. You've got to worship in deed and word if your, word, if your message is going to be alive. Now, I recognize the need for spontaneity and spontaneous responses. Uh, but listen, spontaneous responses most often come from stored information. My Bible says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you about your hope. Now that tells me that we have to spend some time thinking about and preparing what we might say when opportunity presents itself. Now, if you've never led anyone to faith in Jesus Christ, it may be because God knows you haven't studied to show yourself approved, a workman who rightly handles the word of truth. So we need to prepare ourselves. We need to think about our testimony, the parts that are important. And we need to be ready to give an account of our experience with Jesus. Wait, receive, power, and witnesses. Key words to understanding what Pentecost is all about. Pray with me. God, I pray for everyone who's heard this message and for myself that You, O oh God, would give us the inclination to be faithful witnesses to Jesus. That we would be able, Lord, to submit ourselves to You. That we might receive the power that we need. That we might receive the gifting that we need to be effective witnesses in this world. God, you called us. You commissioned us. Now help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. I thank you for being here and listening this morning. And hope you'll uh, continue to stay tuned to Rick Bond Film Ministries, their website. You can find many teachings there that will help you prepare and equip yourself to be faithful witnesses to Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Brilha a luz que é no meu viver. Brilha a luz que é
Stay alive.